Love Talk Radio. Choices, decisions, frustrations, and pain. Knowing I'm going to forget her someday. While I still can, I'll challenge all my loved ones, every friend, to look inside their hearts and understand that I. Well, hello and welcome to Alzheimer Speaks Radio. I am your host, Lori LeBay, and founder of the Alzheimer Speaks Network. I'm so glad that you're here to join us. We're going to have a wonderful show today. Very excited about our our guest today. We're going to be talking about protecting your assets and also how to stay in your home the second half of your life, which is so tied into um, dementia. And so I'm, I'm very excited uh, to have our conversations today. But before I get started, I always like to give our audience a little background about Alzheimer's Speaks because we are always getting new listeners. And so for those of you that are not familiar with us, Alzheimer's Speaks is an advocacy-based company providing multiple platforms to shift our dementia care culture from crisis to comfort around the world. We truly believe that by joining forces and sharing knowledge and just having these everyday conversations about life with dementia, that we're going to be able to remove the stigmas attached to memory loss and help those live with the disease and have a great purposeful life. And in doing that, we're, we share tips and and insights and have just great conversations about how to make this world better for those dealing with dementia. Um, collaboratively, we truly believe that we can win this battle against dementia, but we're not going to do it alone, and that's why it's so important to hear everybody's voice. And I know that we're having an impact thanks to all of you um, because Dr. Oz and ShareCare actually recognized Alzheimer's Speaks as the number one influencer online um, for Alzheimer's, and that is because of you, our audience, sharing the information, um, clicking on those likes and shares, tweeting this, um, embedding these episodes into your websites, um, sending people a little email. There's so many different ways to be able to share the knowledge, and you'll be amazed if you... Um, go ahead and like this and push this out um, even to your Facebook fans and family. Um, how many people will make a comment? You just never know when someone's in need. So, again, really appreciate you all um, <clears throat> you know, being part of that and helping us with, uh, with spreading the word here. Now, um, you are also going to be able to be part of this conversation. You can join us um, by being part of the, the chat room, um, making a comment or a suggestion um, or question, or you can call in live to 714-364-4757. That's 714 714- 
347-364-4757. And we will um, pull you in as the conversation um, progresses there. And um, one last thing, I'd just like to do a little housekeeping before I get started and do some shout-outs. Um, first, I have to shout-out to Jonathan Brooke. Jonathan Brooke is a amazing singer, songwriter, musician who has written this very uh, wonderful play about dementia. It's called My Mother Has Four Noses, and it played here in Minnesota at the Guthrie Theater last night and will be playing again tonight. And I don't know if there's any tickets left, but you're, if you're in the area, I highly encourage you to go. In fact, um, after tonight's session, we will be doing a little bit of a, a talk back with the audience, which I'm honored to be part of, along with a cohort of mine, uh, Jane Claremont, who's with English Rose Suites, and Be Home, which is a, a health care um, uh, company. And then Jonathan, uh, of course, Brooks, uh, will be joining us in that talk back with the audience. Um, during the holidays here, it, sometimes we're going to be uh, visiting with family and friends and relatives and and seeing some things and having some questions um, as to where we can get support. And again, that's why I think today's show is just timing is perfect about talking about uh, elder care and planning and, and how to stay in your home. But you may also be interested in finding an Alzheimer's Association in your area. So I would encourage you to go to Alzheimer's Disease International, um, known as ADI. They are the association of all the associations all around the world. They're filled with great knowledge, um, but they can help you find resources close to you. Um, you may be dealing with Lewy body dementia, and there is an association uh, specifically for Lewy body uh, dementia. And so check them out as well. Or maybe it's frontal temporal lobe or vascular uh, dementia. All of these have organizations um, specific <clears throat> to their um their own diagnosis, or the aphasia organization, which is when people are having a difficulty uh, with words. Um, the Purple Angel Project, I always need to mention that if you're not familiar with the Purple Angel Project, um, the Purple Angel is the new global symbol for dementia, <clears throat> no words required, um, started by Norms McNamara and is uh on global, and I'm thrilled to be one of the um, ambassadors, international ambassadors, ambassadors picked to um, help push that out. The last uh, thing I want to just highlight are just a couple of um, more social, engaging uh, factors that might be helpful when you're meeting with family, and that is Music First with Coral Health, and again, you can just go to Coral Health. Um, to find out information, but music is so therapeutic, and they have done great research. They also have mobile apps that can be used as well to help people sleep, help them wake up, help them eat, um, switch out of a, a behavior <clears throat> or a reaction. Um, so music can be used to trigger many, many things, and that can that can help, you know, when you're giving care to somebody. Puzzle With Me is another organization that has just done great 
research in building puzzles that are adult um, appropriate, a little thicker so they're easier to hold, um, fewer pieces so they're easier to do. And then the Jiminy Wicket program is uh, <clears throat> for croquet, <clears throat> and that is something that is intergenerational that anybody can can use and play. Uh, they do this a lot through schools and with assisted livings and memory care. Um, but there's no reason you can't use it at home as well to engage and, and start building those smiles. So with all of that being said, let me go ahead and introduce our first guest, um, He's really an incredible man, and I, I feel honored to to know Attorney Ramsey Barari. And he has over 33 years' experience in estate planning and elder law. He represents individuals and families, both in simple and sophisticated estate planning strategies. And he advises families with special needs, whether it's a child or an adult or just a state planning manner. So he really has a nice broad umbrella. Um, easy to talk to um, and knows his stuff. He represents elders and caregivers uh, to plan for the future. And in some circumstances, you know, we know we all know somebody who's waited too long where they need um, <clears throat> immediate help, and it might be for institutional Medicare. And he will assist elders in applying and qualifying for Medicaid, um, making or adjusting. Um, a state plan such as wills and trusts, um, advanced he uh, health directives, um, a state administration, um, fiduciary litigation, wills and contracts. There's there's all kinds of things, and even guardianships, and sometimes yes, elder abuse. Ramsey believes that lawyers serve their clients best by paying. Uh, planning ahead rather than solving problems after they occur. And that, to me, that is a very refreshing uh, route uh, to have an attorney uh, behind you with that attitude. He's a member of the National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys and is also a member of the Board of Directors for the Merrimack uh, Valley Estate Planning Council. And if you have not um, seen his television show that he hosts and produces called Your Money, Your Life, um, which is edu uh, dedicated to educating the public on issues particularly relevant to those over 50 um, with estate planning and elder law and financial planning, I, I would highly recommend that you, that you um, check those out. Um, his show is distributed to 30 different states. He is a speaker and uh, speaks locally to um, uh, senior centers and social um, organizations and legal forums. And he's appeared in, I guess, on, on many radio shows um, around the country. So with no further ado, I would love to welcome Ramsey to the show. How are you doing, Ramsey? I'm doing well, Laurie. You know, I, Ramsey, I really enjoy you your show. I'm happy to be a part. Yes, I'm here. Well, we don't seem to have him here. Let's see. Let me try again. Are you there, Ramsey? Hello? Well, I'm not sure what happened to him. 
So let me, I'm going to have to just kind of fill some air here while we see what happened to him. And uh, maybe I can have him call back in. He was on the line earlier here. And for whatever reason, we lost him. And uh, every once in a while, that will happen. So I will just see if he can if he can call back in. In the meantime, if anybody in our audience has a question, please feel free to um, give me a jingle, and uh, you can call in at seven one four three six four four seven five seven. Again, that's seven one four three six four four seven five seven and we'll see uh see if we can get your questions answered. Um I am gonna talk a little bit while I am waiting for Ramsey to call back in here. Uh, on our our uh, second guest who will be joining us, and his name is Aaron Murphy, and Aaron is a um, an architect in Washington State, and he has um, he, he's just released a book, and he'll be talking a little bit about that. But I think it'll be a fascinating conversation the second half of the show as well. Um, with Aaron about how how do you stay in your home? You know, how does that work? And um, what can we do to prepare ahead of time in order to make that a, a smooth transaction and um, and transition? Because a lot of times it, it entails both there. So I think Ramsey's back with us. So let's see. Ramsey, are you there? I'm here. Aha, uh-huh. I don't know what... Hi, Ramsey. Um, I'm not I, I quite heard sh- your intro. I heard everything, and I heard you say you couldn't hear me. I don't know what happened. Well, I, you know, it's a full moon around the corner here. So That's <laughs> so right. Lord, it is. It is Lord a full moon. <laughs> Lord only knows. You know, we, it's so funny with technology. I mean, we've been we were sitting talking on the phone for quite some time um, prior to the show going live, and then we go live, and kaboom! But you know that right. stuff happens well, once in a while, and we just we just move forward. So I did the introduction, and I was telling people uh, just how wonderful I think you are. You know, I've I've dealt with you in, in the past year, and you're just so easy to deal with and so helpful. Um, and you talk in simple language, which I think um, is is wonderful for so many of us that don't understand all the the legal mumbo jumbo there. So. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, boomers are getting older, needless to say. Can you give us what what do you feel are the five most important issues for people to address as they age? Because I think we forget about this planning. We all think it's not going to happen to us, and then all of a sudden we end up in crisis. So can you give us maybe five, um, five sure. tips that you think would be helpful? Yeah, before I do that, just let me quickly say that, you know, I really enjoy your program. I'm happy to be a part of it, and uh, I'd be happy to answer your question. Uh, It's my view, and you kind of touched on that a little in your intro, that it's important to be prepared. And, of course, the Boy Scouts and the Girl Scouts have that motto, be prepared. 
So my view is that, you know, preparation for both boomers as well as their parents is critical. And unfortunately, people don't acknowledge that need. Uh, they don't acknowledge that there's that they may live with age-related disability. They don't acknowledge that an unfortunate incident may happen during their lifetime, and they need to be prepared for that. So let's get into the, the list of five that you asked me to talk about. Number one, obviously, since I write estate plans for people, I, I list number one as make sure you understand what's, what your estate is all about and that you plan that estate. Now, everyone's estate is different. I mean, it, I don't believe in cookie-cutter estate plans. I think estate plans should be tailored, and it's important that people speak with somebody who can help them tailor the plan so that they can reach their goals during their lifetime and beyond. And that's one of the big misunderstandings, by the way. Everyone thinks an estate plan is only about death, and that's really not true. If you think about the principal documents in an estate plan, all but one actually are lifetime documents. The one is the uh, document that comes into play when you die is the will. Everything else is a, is a document that actually is in play while you're alive and helps you during your lifetime and also beyond. Also, number two for me would be your finances. How are you set financially? What is your situation financially, and what have you done to be able to plan so that you can reach your goals during your lifetime? Number three, which I think is huge, especially for boomers, lifestyle issues. And the reason I say especially for, for boomers is because, you know, uh, unlike our parents' generation, I'm a boomer, you're, you're a boomer, is, you know, we're not going to necessarily have the large family surrounding us that, that's going to be able to help take care of us. Uh, boomers also are, are going to run into a situation where the Medicare, the Medicaid, and the Social Security system is going to be adjusted. And we're not going to be able to rely on that system like our parents and grandparents did. So the lifestyle issues in terms of what kind of life do you want to live, uh, what do you want to do during your retirement years, uh, how, do you, how do you plan to, to live your life, and in what style do you want to live that life, those are all huge issues. And are you prepared if you can't live that lifestyle? Are you prepared for, for plan B, so to speak? And it's important to be prepared for plan B and perhaps even plan C. You know, what are you going to do with certain situations? Um, you know, if, you, if your plan was, you know, I'm going to travel the world, what if you're not able to do that? If your plan was, I'm going to move to a more temperate climate and I'm going to play golf every day or I'm going to, you know, walk the beach every day and swim and all that stuff, what if you're no longer able to do that? You know, you need to have a plan B. And then you also have to consider this number four is your potential future disability. You know, we, given the wonders of modern medicine, we all live longer today, but we also live longer with age-related disability. Are we prepared for that? And we can become prepared for that. Um, and let me just back up for a second with regard to lifestyle issues. Another major lifestyle issue is going to be transportation. Have we made provisions for transportation as we grow older that they may come? when we no longer are able to drive, or the day may come where we need assistance with driving. The day may also come where we need assistance with shopping, where we need assistance going to the doctor or, or going to the pharmacy or, or you know, just doing our, our regular errands. Some communities have, seen, have senior centers where they provide transportation and help you. What if you don't live in, that, in a community like that? Again, lifestyle issue, very important stuff. Uh, potential future disability and lifestyle kind of go hand in hand. But again, it's a, I see it as a separate issue, and people need to prepare for that, need to be ready for that disability and what they're going to do. In a case that I like to always 
point out when it comes to potential future disability is the uh, Terry Schiavo case in Florida. Uh, and before I get into that case, I also like to quote uh, or take a quote from Shakespeare's The Tempest, and that quote is, what's past is prologue. I interpret that that phrase, what's past is prologue, to mean that what we do or what we don't do in our younger years will have a huge impact on our future. So now let's consider the Terry, Terry Schiavo case. This is the Florida case in which Terry Schiavo's husband and her parents battled publicly for seven years. Can you imagine that? Seven years over the right to make health care decisions on her behalf as she was incapacitated. She was not able to make her own medical decisions, and she was on life support. This battle didn't just occur in the courts. It also ended up occurring occurring in, in Congress and also uh, occurred in, in, the, in the media. I'm sure that's not what Terry Schiavo wanted. Do you realize that this battle could have been avoided by having a simple document, one simple document in which she would have set out what her wishes were and there wouldn't have been this battle. Instead, there was a battle uh, over her guardianship. There was a battle over making de- uh, health care decisions for her. Um, guardianships and conservatorships can be daunting, uh, and they are definitely an expensive process. The sad part of the whole situation is was all avoidable and was avoidable by having in place uh, in Massachusetts, it's called the health care proxy. In other states, it goes by a different name. Some states recognize living wills. Some states recognize um, powers of attorney for health care. Whatever the name of the document, really the name isn't important, is have that document. And I actually recommend that people at age 18 start considering this document because you know what? A 19-year-old can have an unfortunate situation happen and pass away. When I was a teenager uh, and I ran track in high school, one of my teammates who was a delivery boy died in a car accident. He was only a teenager. It's important to have these documents in place. And then the number five, you asked for five most important issues, would be your anticipated future needs. What do you anticipate you will be needing in the future? Uh, and, again, that's different for everybody. I mean, what my needs may be, what your needs may be, or what my neighbor's needs may be, they're not going to be the same. And it's important that we, you sit down and you figure out what you, those needs are going to be, and you, and you then develop some sort of a plan in terms of how you're going to meet those needs. Have I answered your question? Yeah, and, you know, one of the things that I, I really liked about what you said was that, you know, this isn't about death. This this isn't about dying. This really is about good business for life in living, and we all like to be in control. And this allows us to control our life even if we become incapacitated and um, in planning for the future and you know it allows us to have these conversations with our our friends and our family on how do we want to be cared for what's important to us and it really isn't something to fear Um, the other thing that I run into all the time with people is again because they think it's about dying they think it's about end of life and I know when my folks um, got to the point where we needed to, to do this for them, and it, it was for them, we ran into a crisis. My dad ended up with brain cancer and was given a year and a half to live. Um, we said, you know, we really need to get things in order here. And he wanted to. Um, and they were fearful of doing that. They thought, well, we really don't have, we don't have that much. So we really don't need to do that. And I think that that's a common thing that people think that, you know, I don't have enough to go through this. I'm not important enough. You know, my my 
folks were blue-collar workers. What do you say to people who, who think that? Well, the, fa- the fact of the matter is it, it is it is crucially important, and it's important that, that people look at their situation and realize that it's not just important to them, but it's important to their loved ones, everyone around them. I honestly believe that the, the greatest gift that you can give to a loved one is to go out and, and plan in these five areas that we just talked about. I mean, I had the experience when my father passed away in 1999 where, yeah, he had the estate planning piece taken care of, but you know what? There were other pieces that he could have taken care of. He had the wherewithal, he had the intelligence, he had the ability to do it, but he was in denial. And so as mm-hmm. a family, we suddenly found ourselves having to wrap up his medical practice, which he's never never closed. We found ourselves having to, to in, in crisis, basically figure out what we were going to do with him as he was dying. None of there, nothing had been done in that regard, never expressed what his wishes were going to be. Um, when he, when he uh, had appeared to take his last breath, I was sitting with him when he took his last breath, uh, had to deal with the EMTs and had to deal with the police department, had to deal with the emergency room doctor, because, again, my father didn't have the appropriate documentation in place. That was a crisis situation. Then, of course, he hadn't pre pre-planned for his funeral at all, so all of a sudden we found ourselves within a couple of days having to go out and buy a burial plot and having to select um, a casket for him and having to make arrangements. This could have all been planned out ahead. And like I said, my, my father, we knew my father had ideas, but he never really wrote them down. And so then we had to try to figure out what to do. It's critical that you take care of, and it would be a real gift to the family. So when my mother passed away, and she passed away uh, about 10 years later, she passed away a little over 10 years later, uh, she planned for all that stuff Mm -hmm. because she had the experience. You know, so in that regard, it was then really, really easy. You know, the only thing that we had to do was, was, was make sure we followed her wishes, and then we had the time to grieve, and we had the time as a family to talk, uh, which we didn't have when my father passed away because we're so busy doing stuff. And I'm sure we yeah. made mistakes because bad decisions are made in crisis situations because they're emotional decisions. And emotional decisions are often bad decisions. You know, So it's critical to do the planning. It's critical uh, not just for yourself, but for, the, for your loved ones, for the people around you, so that they know, number one, what needs to be done, and number two, you take some of that burden off them and you take some of that pressure off them to have to perform at a very difficult time. Yeah. It was really a relief, uh, you know, for me when we did this with my folks. And one of the things that that we did was um, my husband and I um, said, you know, we need to do this too. So we did it all together. So it wasn't, it helped my parents and not look at it as an end-of-life thing that, you know, this is good business and we should all be doing this when we turn 18, you know, because I, and I've had a lot of friends who have had kids that have gotten like in car accidents and, you know, they're in comas in the hospital and the parents are foot in the bill and they can't get any medical information because <laughs> they don't have documentation yeah. and stuff. And so, I mean, it really is important stuff and we have to, we have to remove the fear. And that's one of the things that I love talking with you um, because you you simplify it and you give comfort, um, you know you understand the process, and I think you understand the emotions that people are going through when de- you know when dealing with this stuff too. Because um, you know, n- and not all family will agree um, on different things and the and the various aspects that come into play too. So 
you know, it's important to have those discussions. And when you had said, you know, it really helps the family um, be a little bit more at ease in your wishes, I mean, I can second that. Um, I, For example, I didn't know my mom wanted to be cremated. I had no no idea, you know, and so it was. It's very interesting, kind of the process in terms of of uh, you know, because those aren't conversations that we have all the time, and uh, you know, you find out what is important, and and we all want to respect people's wishes, and um, and so I, I think that that's great. So thank you so much for those those five important important issues that you addressed. Um, can you talk a little bit about some problems um, that are caused by parents a lot of times by lack of planning? You know, what kinds of issues do do the kids or relatives or whoever is, is left? I mean, because it doesn't have to be a parent. It could just be uh, a single, you know, adult too. But what types of problems are raised um, when there isn't planning? Well, well to start with, a lot of people don't do that planning because they don't feel that they have, quote-unquote, an estate. A lot of people mm-hmm. review uh, will look at an estate, the word estate, and they will think of a McMansion. They will think of, you know, Bill Gates, uh, the billionaire. The fact of the matter is that the legal definition of the word estate means property that you own. It doesn't in any way uh, define the value of that property. So everyone, including the bum on the street, has an estate. The difference is some people have larger estates and some people have smaller estates. But everyone has an estate as long as they own property in their own name. Uh, That's the importance, by the way, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but that's the importance of trust because what that does is it takes property out of your name, puts it into an entity name, and it takes it out of your, quote-unquote, probate estate. Uh, And we can get into that a little bit later, but I just wanted to mention that point. Uh, the bottom line with regards to problems that are created is that that for because people believe that estate planning is only for the wealthy, they they have this history of basically not um, doing the appropriate planning. Uh, it's just simply not true that only the wealthy engage in estate plans. The wealthy engage in sophisticated estate planning, and their estate planning is certainly more um, involved than somebody who's middle class or somebody who's upper middle class, but the extremely wealthy, and I have some clients who are extremely wealthy, it's a lot of work in terms of trying to figure out how to protect that plan from creditors and also from the uh, state and federal estate tax. Everyone has an idea of what they want to have happen with their property. I've never run into anyone where they said, you know what, just let whatever the state rules of intestacy are come to play. You know, everybody has an idea what they want to do. And you mentioned uh, something uh, a little bit earlier about uh, not everyone in the family agrees. And mm-hmm. you may or may not realize this, but when the parents are alive, the, the children recognize that the parents are the referees. They recognize that, you know, the parents will keep the children in line. That starts the change. When one parent dies, and that absolutely changes when both parents are gone, because there's now no more referee, and and you know it varies from family to family, but one parent may be more of a referee than the other, and may be more involved in kind of keeping the kids in line. 
So when you have a situation where there's disagreement, it is crucial to put together the estate plan. It is crucial to put your wishes in writing because otherwise, can you imagine the free-for-all that's going to happen when the parents are gone and there's no referee in place and the sibling rivalry comes to the fore and then they, yeah. know, they start pointing fingers at one another? So it's absolutely crucial to have an estate plan to be able to say, you know what, these are my wishes. This is what I want done with my property. This is how I want my property to pass, and this is the reason I want it to pass. You know, I have clients basically say, well, I guess the best way to do this is I have to keep everything equal. You don't have to keep it equal, but there has to be some sort of a rational reason why you want it to be equal, or mm-hmm. not equal, rather. I, I just misspoke. Uh, not equal. And if it's rational, then there's not going to be a dispute. One of the biggest areas of growth, believe it or not, in Massachusetts here now, now is will contests. Mm-hmm. And the reason it's a big place of growth is because of a lot of estate plans have been written vaguely. Uh, they, they, in other words, they're not very specific. Uh, there, there are issues within those estate plans. And, of course, what's a litigator's job? A litigator's job is to find the weakness and attack that weakness and go to court over it. That's not only expensive. It also is costly in terms of emotion and time. It takes in Massachusetts a will contest, sometimes four or five years before it resolves. You know, they're, yeah. they're, they're difficult cases, uh, they're expensive cases, and, and and they end up breaking up a family. Family members no longer talk to one another, all because yeah. an estate plan wasn't properly written. So yeah, again, it's, you know, my, it's the point amazing. I made earlier is get to somebody who can write the plan and write it well for you with your uh, goals in mind. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I want to give you, this is a true story, a client of mine who was a police officer here in town and I had represented him in several matters, and he kept saying, you know, I need to get that will and trust. I need to get that will and trust. And I kept saying, I'm at your service. When, when would you like to do this? Well, he eventually made the appointment. He had just retired from the police force. He retired early, uh, and he was going to go into some sort of consulting work. And he says, you know what, the time has come. And we set the date and the time when he was going to come into my office, and we were going to discuss exactly how we wanted everything structured, and then within a couple of weeks, you know, we'd, we'd wrap it all up for him. The morning, he had a 10 o'clock appointment in my office. At 8.45, I got a call from his brother informing me that he, that he, he I, the, my client, would not be able to keep his appointment. And I said, okay, do you, does he want to reschedule? He says, well, he can't reschedule. He passed away last night. Mm. True story, 60-year-old man. Uh, wow! And it's, you know, great way, great way to pass away, pass away in your sleep. But still, sixty years old, and we've been talking for five years about, you know, yeah, I need to do this. Yeah, I need, I'll, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Well, you know, in his case, tomorrow never came. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yep. Unfortunate it, story, but a true story. Yeah, and it's an easy thing to procrastinate. You know, when it, it's uh, the fear. I, it it amazes me the fear wrapped around um, planning Um, because, again, I really look at this as good life business. I don't look at this as end of life. And, you know, and I even joke, I say, well, you know, I'm kind of a control freak. So even after I'm gone, I want to know what the what the plan is. (laughs) And, 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 it, you know, the other thing that I think is really important, too, and I see families struggle with this all the time when it comes to estate planning, is trying to be fair with their kids. And fair doesn't always make sense 
in the real world if the kids can't get you know get along um you know if it's a if it's a cabin or but a lot of times you see it with a with a like a vacation property or something like that um where we're going to leave it to everybody and everybody doesn't see eye to eye never has so probably never will and you know i not always the best in terms of <laughs> pulling the family together and sometimes we have to realize too that even though we love something you know our kids may not or who were or who were leaving it too you know they might have other aspirations for their life and and i you know i see that a lot with families of well we we want to keep this in the family and those thoughts right. aren't always um consecutive from one hand to the other and you can't really control what's going to happen next you know once it's signed over and the next guy has it so um yeah it's a very very interesting interesting process for sure now what would you say are the three biggest mistakes that people make just as they age in general we talked about you well, know problems caused by lack of planning but um do you see certain mistakes made just as people age well an estate plan is is influenced by multiple factors. You know, it's influenced by your age, your marital status, your family situation. What I mean by family situation is do you have children by more than one marriage? Uh, if so, you know, that's going to influence it. Uh, the level of your assets clearly influences, as, a, as I alluded to earlier. And, of course, what are your future needs going to be? Um, you know, again, you know, a lot of people don't plan for their future needs. I think they should. If you plan for your future needs, that's going to influence how you put all that together. Now, with regards to the three biggest mistakes, one, well, as we discussed earlier, one mistake is no planning. I don't, we'll skip that for now. But how about poor planning or failing to execute the plan? And what I mean by failing to execute the plan is that you have a plan in place. For example, you have a you set up a will, what we call a pour over will, where the assets upon death are going to pour into a trust that's already been established, and that because we we want to take the assets out of the probate estate, you know, it's important to fund the asset during the lifetime. I mean, fund the trust with assets during the lifetime. People walk away, and they never do the funding piece. Well, if they don't if they don't fund the trust, i.e., put the assets in the name of the trustee of the trust then the fact of the matter is you have an empty shell trust. Your estate plan isn't doing what it's supposed to do. It's not helping you reach your goals, and it's not protecting assets the way you thought it was going to. And oftentimes, you know, that only comes to light when there's an emergency or crisis situation. All of a sudden, oh, my God, this didn't happen. In my law office, because I'm aware that people do this, we do, we do the whole thing soup to nuts. In other words, we prepare the documents. We explain the documents to the client, we have the client sign, we have the witnesses sign, I notarize, and then we also do the funding piece because we know people don't do it. Mm-hmm. So we handle that piece as well. Uh, we, we charge a nominal fee for doing that, but when the client walks away with that package of uh, documents, they're also walking away with a deed to the real estate showing that that's been transferred. They're also walking away with a uh, uh, uh a new bank statement showing the new captioning on the account and so forth and so on. All that's been done. We put that all in the same package and say, you are all set. Now, the only time you have to worry about doing anything is if you acquire a new asset. 
you need to call me and we need to figure out what to do with that new asset. But with regard to your existing assets, you're all set. Um, another big mistake is you have a plan in place. I just actually ran into a new client the other day who had a plan in place for 25 years. But in those 25 years, in those intervening 25 years, the client never reviewed the plan. As I was meeting with the client the other day, the person that was named as, in those days, were called the executor under the will today, Massachusetts called the personal representative, that person is deceased, gone. So there is no named executor under the will. That's a problem. Number two, the minor children and the guardianship provision in the will, those children are of majority now. And then all the provisions in the will with regard to holding things in trust for their education, yada, yada, yada. That doesn't apply anymore. So they had a will that really was stale. It, it, it didn't do what they wanted it to do. So the purpose in our meeting was to review it, figure out how it should be changed, and in fact they ended up deciding to go the trust vehicle because they also wanted to do some, some protection. See, wills don't provide you with any protection, and trusts can't. Uh, what they, the big mistake they had made is they had a plan in place, they checked it off the list, and they basically put it on cruise control. Well, you know, as your life moves on and as things happen in your life, that plan needs to be reviewed. And if it's not being reviewed, then it's really not doing its job. Uh, and people really don't understand that, so I think that's a major mistake. And then a third and, and large major mistake is people not considering their family dynamics. And what I mean mm -hmm. by family dynamics is everybody within a, every family has its own set of dynamics. And maybe siblings get along, maybe they don't get along. Or maybe one group of siblings gets along and another doesn't. Or maybe there's, there's a, a, a good relationship for a certain number of years between mom and dad, and then that relationship starts to break down and they each have their favorites. Or, or there's, there's, there's an abuse of alcohol or drugs or whatever the case may be. And there are all kinds of situations that present these family dynamics. And that's something to be considered, in my view. And it's important to consider it in, in terms of how you're going to put this plan together and how you're going to actually make sure that you avoid any problems post-death. This is a definitely post-death type of issue because, as I said earlier, while the parents are alive, they can control the situation. You made actually an interesting comment about wanting to control things after death through a trust with particular provisions, do you realize you can actually still control assets after you pass away? Now, mm -hmm. your beneficiaries aren't going to like it, but it can be done. <laughs> and I've actually, I've actually done it for clients where they just say, no, I don't want them to get a hold of these assets until they meet certain conditions. And so basically uh, the person is controlling things from his or her grave. It's yep. legitimate. It can be done. It, it does create hard feelings. Um, you can also, as, as part of number three in terms of considering family dynamics, also incorporate into that, you know, what are you going to do if you can no longer live in your house, you need transportation, uh, what are you going to do in those situations? Because, again, that, that to some degree, again, may have something to do with the family dynamics. In other words, who can you rely on? Who's going to help yep. you out? Who's going to give you that ride? You know, who's going to uh, have you move in with them or who's going to visit you on a regular basis? I mean, as I'm sure you're, you're quite well aware, one of the biggest problems that we have with, with elders is they will have adult children who never visit them. And they become mm -hmm. lonely and they become depressed. Uh, it's a major problem. Uh, it's not just in Massachusetts. From what I've read, it's a major problem. I have clients in that position. They, they, they've got children but they just don't visit. They may pick up the phone and call once a week or once every two weeks, 
it's an awful situation. Uh, it's something to consider. If you if that person needed help, who can they count on? Who can they call yep. on to provide that help? Um, well, and that's an excellent point, and I think something that people have to take very seriously because. You know, um, not everybody's children knows them well or, you know, will care for them well. Um, there's a lot that will. And I'm just saying know, know the difference. Um, in my family, I'll give an example. My brother will kill me if he's ever listening. But, um, you know, my my folks um, knew that um, myself and my um, younger brother would have a more difficult time pulling the plug. If that ever, if that situation ever arose, and they joked that you know Mark, we're going to put Mark down for that one because he won't bat an eye, you know, because that's just his personality, and um, and they they knew that it would be much more difficult, you know, for Scott and I, and um, like I said, they kind of joked about it, but but it was very true. They they knew that it would be. Um, that it would be much, much more difficult and, you know, the guilt and all the things that go through your mind. And, and my older brother has a personality that, you know, okay, that's what it is. It's black and white. This is what we're doing. And would let it go. And that's what they wanted. They didn't want anyone to, to feel bad or second-guess themselves, you know, when it came to that time. So really knowing the personalities, um, the skill sets, you know, the compassion level um, are extremely important. I know when my when my parents went in uh, to get their will um, designed, they asked me to go with them. And so I, I was in there, in there with them when they met with the attorney. Um, and the attorney was actually a very good friend of mine. And she said, now, Laura, you have to leave. And I said, okay. And my parents were like, no, we want her in here. And they're, they're like, no, she needs to leave because we're going to talk turkey about all your kids. You know, um, are they divorced? Do you think they're going to get divorced? Do they have an alcohol or drug problem? You know, how do they pay their taxes? You know, are they self-employed? And, you know, and she said, all these things are really going to impact your decisions. And we have to talk openly about that. And my parents said, oh, she can stay in. She knows. And Chris said, you know, she really wanted me to leave. And then my parents said, no, we really want her in the room. And so I was privy to see that discussion um, with my parents and the attorney. And it was fascinating. And, and they were really important questions that were posed because they were going to potentially impact the outcome of their decisions. And so having an attorney that's going to dig deep. Um, is important. You know, they're not being nosy just to be nosy. It, it has a point um, in terms right, of helping right. you protect your assets. So very, very, very important um, with all that. And I think sometimes people get a little upset or a little offended, and it's not it's not meant for that at all. Um, it's just meant for you to be able to know them the best you can so that you can devise a plan that's that's going to be the most effective. Well, there, there are also ways to, to have the conversation with with your elder loved one without coming across as being nosy. I mean, there, it, it really kind of depends on, I think, you know, how you open that conversation. And yeah, if you open up the conversation and say, okay, how are you set financially? Do you have estate planning documents? You know, if you're kind of like aggressive like that, that 
can be perceived as nosy and that, and that can be problematic. But if you approach it as, you know, let's let's have a conversation and you know, this is the holiday times. This is I think a perfect time to have these conversations and just say, you know, we've been looking into our own planning. We've been looking into doing our own thing here and we're finding that this is complicated. This is difficult. You know, what did you do? Can can you help us out here? That's a whole different approach. And I think mm-hmm. That, you're, that the elder is going to sit down and say, okay, yeah, we, we'll, we'll let you know what we did, and we'll, you know, we'll be happy to provide you with some, uh, with some hints. And you then can find out what they did also. That's the key. Right? You'll find yep. out what they did, and you'll find out. You can then at that point say, okay, well, how often did you review this? Okay, this is what you did. Do you review that often? And how often do you talk with the lawyer? And, again, you know, you're just asking these questions, open-ended questions to kind of, you know, Get information, you know, on, on what you ought to be doing, but at the same time, finding out what they're doing. And then you can segue mm-hmm. into, well, you know, maybe you need to have your plan reviewed, too. What was it, 25 years ago that you did this? You know, things have changed. You know, and then, then maybe you can get into the nuts and bolts of it. But I think you need to open up these kinds of conversations gently. And I think it's also important when you have these conversations to listen to what mom and dad have to say. Mm-hmm. Hear what they, what they what they have to say. And 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 don't don't come into it like like a bully like a bull in the china shop because that's a lose lose proposition. You can't win. Mm-hmm. Listen to what they yep. have to say, and and then you can kind of try to steer the conversation a little bit. But I always believe that you know and you know you you mentioned that the lawyer asked you to leave the room. I do that habitually all of the time, and mm-hmm. I, I do it not only because we're going to talk about um, people's matters and people's family, but I also want to be able to determine with mom and dad or just mom or dad in the room alone with me, I want to be I want to be sure that, number one, the answers that they're giving me are their answers and not necessarily mm-hmm. answers to appease a son or a daughter that's sitting in the room. And number two, I'm also asking particular questions to determine whether in my view as a lawyer, I'm, 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 not, a, I'm not a medical doctor, I'm not a neurologist or a neuro, neuropsychologist or anything like that, I want to determine if these people are, in fact, legally competent. I need to make that determination. How do I make that determination if every single time I ask mom and dad a question, son or daughter answers it? Yep, yeah. I can't make that determination, can I? So I I ask them to go to the coffee shop across the street, get a donut and a coffee, and stay there for a half hour while I talk to mom and dad. And I make my... You know, I get my own impressions, and and sometimes I've I've heard things from the son and daughter over the phone that are completely inconsistent with what mom and dad tell me at my conference room table, and then I have to deal with that. I have to yeah. you know, figure out how to bridge that gap. Well, and so, I yeah. think that that is really really important to, for you as an attorney to hear their voice. Um, and their wishes. And, you know, like when I sat in, um, and my attorney's name was Chris, what, that uh, that I used and my folks used, you know, she's like, okay, you can be here, but you're not saying a word. <laughs> you know, and she right. was just, right. <laughs> and, and they kind of looked at me like, Lori, you really want us, you know, talk with her? And I'm like, yeah, she knows yeah. what she's doing. You know, this this right. is important stuff here. And um, and like I said, it, to me it was fascinating, and and I was so thankful um, that I had um, an attorney that cared that much, which is like you, you know, you really care to do the right thing um, for the people that you're working with, and and to me that's just so so critical because you know in every business. Um, 
there's the good, the bad, and the ugly. And, you know, to be able to find that person that's a good match for you is, is really important. Um, someone that you can feel comfortable um, stating your truths, whatever they are, and um, whatever your needs are, because, you know, this you can't fake your way through this, or you shouldn't. Um, you know, if you're truly out to protect your, your assets, um, you've got to be, you have to have a really comfortable relationship with your attorney. Uh, I, I completely agree. And, and the lawyer-client relationship is, is critical. Not every lawyer can work with every client and vice versa. You need to first meet with a lawyer as a client and make sure that this, this is a lawyer with whom you can work, someone in uh, whom you can trust. Um, and someone who's looking out for your best interests, you know, it's mm-hmm. critical. Yep, definitely. Um, well, let's move on here. I can't believe how fast the time is just flying by here. Um, why do people ignore age-related disabilities, you know, and end-of-life planning? I mean, you see it all the time, just this big denial sign slapped you know, on people's right, faces. Right, right. Well, I think first of all that people presume that, you know, what happened to somebody else is not likely to happen to them. I'm not going to say that they feel bulletproof. I, I, I actually don't agree with that. I don't think they feel bulletproof, but they just basically say, okay, that was somebody else, but that's not going to happen to me. And, you know, one of the first things that I ask people to focus on when I'm having the first interview with a client is tell me a little bit about your family health history. And they'll all say, why is that important? I said, because, you know, your family health history is an indicator. It doesn't necessarily predict what's going to happen, but it's an indicator. It's something to seriously consider. So if you've got a family health history of dementia or cancer or cardiac conditions, that's important to know because, you know, that's Mm -hmm. something to, to consider in putting together the plan. You know, they are always, always stunned at why the family health history. I said it's important to understand that. So if my clients are saying that, I would say my clients are probably representative of the general society. The general society is not looking at that. How many times have we had situations where somebody has a cancer and they say, well, that person has cancer because their mother, their grandmother, their grandfather, whatever, also had cancer? I mean, it's, you know, it, it's oftentimes passed down genetically. We know that's the same with regard to dementia. One of the ways you can develop dementia is through heredity. You know, there are other mm-hmm. ways as well. Um, it's, it's just really, really important to know that. And if you're going to do asset protection planning in the event you go into a nursing home, it's really critical to know that. Because, you know, again, a lot of people have a difficult time with doing this asset protection planning because they really, no one has a crystal ball, so they don't know what's going to happen in the future. Well, mm-hmm. let's take a look at your family health history. Maybe your family health history can kind of illuminate a little bit what's going to happen. Again, I, it's not necessarily going to be a predictor, but if you know that there's a family health history of this, that, and the other condition, and these conditions potentially will have you land up in the nursing home, then maybe you need to do this kind of planning. If on the other mm-hmm. hand, you've got a clean family health history, then maybe you don't need to do this kind of planning, again, depending on uh, environmental factors, because environmental factors can sometimes uh, play a role with regard to these, these types of uh, illnesses. Uh, as I said earlier in the very beginning, we also are living with age-related disability that has everything to do with the fact that we live longer. So now we have hip replacements and we have knee replacements and we have this procedure and that procedure that results in a disability. That's not a disability that puts you in a nursing home. 
But the disability yeah. for, for many, many years ago, you know what? You would have suffered with that, with that because you couldn't have the new hip or the new knee, and eventually you would have died. So yeah. today you can live on, which is great. But you're going to live on with, with a particular disability, and the planning you have to do with regard to that sort of stuff is plan your estate, plan your finances, and make sure you've got the proper insurance in place. As we all know, Medicare is no longer sufficient. It's not enough. You need to have additional health insurance in place. And I talk to my clients about that all the time. I also talk to my clients if they're young enough about long-term care insurance. You know, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a product that I don't think is necessarily appropriate for everybody, but it's appropriate for certain people at a certain age. Um, you know, it gets very, very expensive the older you get, the more medical conditions you have, and it just never surprises me the older we get, the more medical yeah. conditions that we have to be treated for. And it just, that's just life. That's the way things go. So it's, it's, you know, there's a lot that goes into this. So why do people not want to deal with it? Because there's a lot to think about. There's a lot of moving parts here, and it's just a mm-hmm. lot easier to, to walk away from it and say it's not going to happen to me. It's unrealistic, but I think it's very true of people's attitudes. Yep. We might have a caller here. This could be my second guest, but it might be uh, calling in a different number. But let me just double-check here and see if it might be somebody with a question. Um, I've got somebody from a 714 number. Did you have a question that you'd like to ask? A 714 number? You're live on the air? Oh, maybe not. Okay. Okay. Well, that's fine. I just like to like to make sure they had pushed the button. So, um, just never know. Uh, let's see here. We've got just a, a couple of minutes left. How how would you recommend people um, raising the discussion and in, in, you know talking about these subjects over the holidays? Do you think this is an appropriate time? I mean, you've got estate planning. You've got you know people are going to be checking on driving and housing issues. Uh, you know, assisted living, insurance, all of those types of things um, can kind of come to the forefront over the holidays. People all of a sudden go, oof, I, I didn't realize, you know, things have changed. Um, do you have any suggestions on how to bring these topics up? Well, be, before we even talk about bringing up the topic, I think it's important that if, if family members, if they're dispersed around the country, if they're all going to be coming together at one particular location, it's important for them to be able to see how mom and dad are, are able to interact, how mom and dad are walking, moving about, and all that sort of thing. Because it's one thing to talk with mom and dad on the telephone and say, well, mm-hmm. they, they seem okay. It's another thing when you actually see them. And you see them mm-hmm. not just for an hour, but you see them for, for several hours. And then you begin to realize that, you know what, they aren't the same. They They are slipping, whether physically or cognitively, whatever the case may be. So it's important, number one, for them to see that. And then number two, it's then important to open up the conversation. Um, that conversation can be uh, can be actually set up as, as almost like a, a, a family meeting type thing. Well, you know what, between the hour of 2 and 3 o'clock on, a, on, on Thursday afternoon, we're all going to get together and we're going to talk about such and such. And so it can be mm-hmm. restructured. Or you can simply say, you know what, uh, Let's just have everybody ask some questions of mom and dad, you know, questions that are that are important to them. So, you know, one may be asking, gee, mom, dad, you know, someday you're going to pass away. Do you give any thought as to where you want to be buried? And given any thought as to whether you want to be buried or you want to be cremated? 
you know, somebody mm-hmm. else may be asking some questions about finance, somebody else may be asking some questions about disability, uh, transportation, uh, downsizing, you know, moving from a house to a condo or to assisted living, and well, what are their feelings about that? What are their feelings about nursing home care? Um, you know, again, I, as I said earlier, it's important to open up these conversations gently. It's important to to um, make sure that you're, you're not you're not like a bull in the china shop, but you're just you know just having a conversation and just kind of engage mom and dad in that conversation and listen to what they have to say, hear, hear mm-hmm. what their opinion is without really necessarily expressing your opinion. Just hear what it is. But at some point, if this is done individually in the course of a day, at some point everyone kind of needs to get together and compare notes. Or like I said earlier, you can all kind of get together and have a structured kind of meeting. Um, I have known of situations, this happened actually with a client of mine where, he, where it, was a, it was a man, was the father, he pulled his, his kids together at Thanksgiving and said, listen, uh, I know within the next couple of years I'm going to die. Do you have mm-hmm. any, uh, any preferences in terms of where I'm buried? Do you have any preferences whether I'm buried or cremated? What do you think? And they basically said, well, what do you think? He said, no, no, I asked you the question. You tell me mm-hmm. what you think. Uh, and it was amazing that the kids then chimed in, and he realized he had five kids, that all five of them had a different opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, one of them even said, you know, he lived far away and said, well, you know, if you're going to get, get get buried in your hometown in Massachusetts, and, and I'm from the West Coast, I'm not going to be able to visit you. He said, mm-hmm. well, I guess that kind of makes sense. So he then at that point had to basically say, okay, I, I now need to make a decision that's important to me. And uh-huh. he, did. he ended up making that decision. But, you know, unless you have the conversation, it would be really nice if mom and dad will open it up. By my experience is they, they don't. It's, 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 it's on the siblings to open it up. It's on the siblings to, to have that conversation. But like I said, have it gently and kind of try to get the information that you need and so that everybody can, can participate in that conversation and everybody can understand exactly where things are going. Uh, and, you know, once, once, once you understand, once you as a family know where everything's going, understand the tables are kind of turning here. You know, mom mm-hmm. and dad have always been kind of in control. Well, now the kids are coming into some control here. And, and the mm-hmm. kids need to take that control because the fact of the matter is that, that someday they're going to be responsible for burying mom and dad. They're going to be responsible for helping mom and dad with their transportation and with their housing issues and their elder care issues. So you know what? You might as well get a handle on it today and not wait until you're in crisis. Yep, exactly. Very, very, very good advice, that's for sure, because uh, this is, is just such an important, important topic. Ramsey, how do people get a hold of you? And um, also, can you let us know, do you, um, you know, what area do you work in? Are you, are you just in one state? Um, can you help people who are out of state? Um, why don't you answer that and then let us know how to contact you? Okay. Well, I, I am only licensed in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. However, I am able to help people in, in other states because I've developed a nice network of lawyers throughout the country so that I can, somebody can call me and then I can refer them to somebody who I've already vetted, who I believe is very good at what he or she does in another state. Uh, and so if, 
if any of your listeners want to give me a call and they're from another state, that's great, and I'll be happy to get them in the hands, in the good hands of a lawyer in their state who I believe will do a very good job for them. In terms of reaching me, my phone number is 978-682-1141. Again, that number is 978-682-1141. Or you can send me an email, which is Ramsey, R-A-M-S-E-Y, at Barawi, which is spelled B-A-H-R-A-W-Y-L-A-W, BarawiLaw.com. So it's Ramsey at BarawiLaw.com. You can reach me by email. You can also go to my website, which is BarawiLaw.com, spelled B-A-H-R-A-W-Y-L-A-W.com. And um, those are the, the three best ways to reach me. Wonderful. Well, I so appreciate your time today. Um, it's just, um, I, like I said, this hour has just blown by. Um, very interesting conversation, and, and everything that we talked about, you know, is applicable to um, people dealing with dementia because it's applicable to all of us. Um, you know, if we've got a diagnosis or not, this is just um, good business of of living our life well. And it just becomes even more critical um, when there's disease at hand uh, to get this paperwork in order. So, again, I thank you so much for for your time today and wish you a wonderful holiday. I can't believe uh, it's creeping up here (laughs) so quickly. A week away, isn't it? I know, and the new year will be here before we know it. So, again, thank you so, so much, and I'm sure we'll be in touch again soon. Thank you. I really enjoyed being on your program, and I I look forward to talking with you again sometime in the future. Okay. Have have a wonderful holiday season, Ramsey. Bye now. You also enjoy your holiday. Bye-bye. I'm going to go ahead and take our little uh, mid-program break here, and uh, I just want to um, mention a couple of things. If you uh, weren't able to listen to last week's show, we talked about kind of awareness programs, um, and Vivian had a great program that she's developed that was a week-long kind of educational and awareness program, while Loretta had written a book um, talking about her journey and just had some great information about you know how to document things how to capture those moments and everybody goes about awareness um, in advocacy in different ways and there's no right or wrong way um, to go ahead and do that but it was a really lively conversation next week on the 24th um, we are going to have Tipa Snow with us and for those of you that are not aware of Tipa she is um, one of the greats when it comes to helping people understand dementia. She is um, just a phenomenal, phenomenal um, teacher and very realistic. Um, and so I know that you will enjoy that conversation. So she will be on the first half of the show. The second half of the show, uh, Christine Luca is going to be with us, and she is the author of What Else Can You Do But Laugh?, Um, which is a great little book as well. Uh, Last week we also had a Dementia Chat, and on that, that is our webinar platform where I interview uh, people who have dementia. 
And um, we discussed the holidays. We talked about NAPA, which is the National Alzheimer's Plan. And we talked about being newly diagnosed and what do you do? Um, We had somebody who was in the audience who was struggling with, you know, do we tell the family or don't we tell the family and who tells them and when and those types of things. And our next um, webinar for Dementia Chats will also be on the 24th as well. On the blog for Alzheimer's Speaks, um, there were a few different articles that I just want to talk about. One is, again, this play that I just went and saw last night called My Mother Has Four Noses. It's absolutely brilliant. I know it's coming to New York um, at the Duke. Um, I can't remember the dates, but it's in February, and it is marvelous. It's a musical. It's uh her timing is impeccable. It's a one-woman show. Um, she has a voice to die for and um, is so skilled and talented. Her timing, I mean, she brings you up and takes you down. Um, you're laughing and crying and um, it really, really hits home with um, the importance of how we give care and um, how our relationships change and the strength and the beauty within them. So my mother has four noses. Highly, highly recommended that you go see that. Um, there was an article about Remember the Person, Not the Disease by our intern, Michelle. Um, and that got a lot of um, of great feedback Um So that's an interesting read. There's a video that I posted called If Only for a Second, and it's about the fun of being free and and just being able to be silly, being carefree. There's also a a video chat on, um, and the title of it was When It's Hard to Celebrate, and they talked about dementia. And this was from a caregiver's uh, viewpoint. There's also a music video, which is really upbeat. um, And I think it's a great thing that people can utilize for training as well called Every Day We Make a Difference. And it's just a a song um, that is sung by a variety of people in the industry. And they really do a nice, nice job with that. Again, for those of you that are just tuning in, um, I would recommend, you know, if you're looking for an Alzheimer's Association anywhere in the world, go to ADI or Alzheimer's Disease International. Um, Check out the Lewy Body Association as well as the Frontal Temporal Degeneration Association and the National Aphasia Association. There's also one for vascular dementia because those are probably the most common types of dementia that we hear about. The Alzheimer's Studies Group, um, too, is something that we definitely want to talk about. Uh, People are looking for trials, and the Alzheimer's Studies uh, Group has a clinical trial in its third stage on tau. So you can just go to alzheimerstudies.com uh, or you can find them on Facebook as the Alzheimer's team. Um, and again, the Purple Angel Project is very excited to be to be working with them and one of the ambassadors uh, for, for that program. So uh, let me go ahead and introduce our second guest here. And I believe he's on the line. I think he just called in on a different number than what I thought. So anyways, I hope so. Um, His name is Aaron Murphy, 
And Aaron is the owner of ADM Architecture in Washington State, which is just outside Seattle. Aaron is a licensed architect, and he brings over 17 years of experience in both commercial and residential design um, permitting and construction, uh, you know, documents. Over the last 18 years, he's been part of a design and permitting for over a million square feet of project work. Uh, his firm is noted as architecture without ego. I love that tagline, as he believes in a team design and good communication for success of his projects and the satisfaction of his clients that he serves. And that's just really nice and refreshing to hear. He is also the managing editor of EmpoweringTheMatureMind.com, which is a residential outreach program of ADM architecture, and um, it's related to aging in place. Um, Aaron has been public speaking on a regular basis for four years now, discussing the future of residential housing related um, to this, you know, big old baby boom population. And he's been talking a lot about how can we live longer and happier lives by staying in our own home. Um, and, you know, for as long as possible. So he recently spoke at the national level um, at the ASA conference, and that's uh, Aging in America conference in Chicago. And um, Aaron also is the co-host of a weekly live radio show called Encore Living, which is also here on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, he has been interviewed by numerous national um, articles and has been a contributing author to websites and blogs and um, you name it. Um, he's really kind of in the know. And so welcome, Aaron. How are you doing today? I'm doing. Can you hear me? Oh, um, not very well. You sound like you're in a tunnel there. Alright. Are you there? Yeah. Okay, well we'll see what we can do, but it, it it doesn't sound like a very good connection here. So we'll have to well, um, that's that's out. That okay. It's a it's different, but it still isn't a, a great connection. So I'm not quite sure. Are you really? talking on a landline or cell or Skype or? No, no. Yeah, I called in on Skype because it seems to be a more secure connection than the cell phone would be. Uh, I could call back on a landline. Do you want to do oh. a commercial real quick? I can switch. Okay. Well, this this sounds like it's better now. Um, so why okay. don't we? I think I think we're good with with going with this right now. So great. Okay. Um, well, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I, I'm excited to have you on the show. I, I'd like you, if you can, you know, I, I gave the audience a little bit about you, but can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and and how you came into architecture and um, you know how that's applicable, you know, for dementia and Alzheimer's. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I went to the University of Washington 1992 to 96 and have spent the subsequent 17 or 18 years in the fields of uh, architecture and real estate investing and 
the for me with regard to why we're phone was kind of a twofold light bulb. Uh, one is while after school, my uh, my own grandmother in Portland, Oregon, from five foot nine, traveling the world, there's level cards player in her life uh, to five years later being uh, five foot two due to osteoporosis and also not knowing who grandpa was and trapped in a hospital. Say, Aaron, um, we're getting yeah. about every other every other word from you, so maybe if I really? can have you call in on a landline, that would be great. Um, yeah, so that we I'll can do that. Make... Okay, sounds, sounds good. Right. And I'll be back in a second. A... Okay, thank you so much. <laughs> Connections are always interesting when it comes to uh, Internet radio, so you'll just have to bear with us here on this, and we'll see if we can get a, a better connection um, with Aaron um, than what we had right here. So I think that that will, that will help. I would imagine you guys out in the audience were hearing every other word as well. I'm, I'm very anxious to talk to him about his, uh, his new book that he's written. Um, because I hear people all the time talking about, you know, I want to stay in my home. I don't want to move. Um, so how how can we make that happen? Um, you know, how can we how can we live as comfortably as possible? And I'd love to hear from our audience as well, um, because I'm sure some of you have made um, some adaptions in your own home. When I was in real estate for Oh gosh, 25 years. There were many times when people were living in these huge homes um, that were too big for them. And they, you know, here in Minnesota, it's cold in the winter. And so they'd have the heat turned off in certain areas. And they might be living in a two or a three or four story home, but they were only utilizing you know, certain levels. So how do you you make that work? for you and so if you've made any changes like that we'd love to love to be able to hear from you and what your what your thoughts are um regarding regarding this as a whole so hopefully Aaron will be back with us in in just a moment this is Alzheimer's Speaks Radio that you're listening to and we're just waiting for Aaron Murphy the owner of ADM Architecture to give us a holler back, and we are going to be talking on. Here we go. Hi, Aaron. Hey, how you doing? Oh, much, much better. Much better. <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah. Good, good. Well, great. Well, if you want to, why don't we start all over again here? Yeah. If you want to give us a little bit of history, because it was really just about every other um, word that we were getting from you. So if you can give us okay. a little background on how you got interested in architecture. And um, we'll go from there. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, first of all, sorry about that. I've never had trouble with that Skype connection before. So, um, yeah, with regard to architecture and why we're on the phone, um, basically, when I went to University of Washington and went to architecture school, my um, when I left for school, my grandmother was living in Portland and was traveling the world as a master's level bridge player playing cards and enjoying retirement and vibrant and five foot nine and when i came home five years later from the university of washington she was 
trapped in a hospital bed in the living room of a split-level 70s home. She was five foot two and didn't know who Grandpa was. So osteoporosis and Alzheimer's kind of took her away from us over that five years. And um, and so I know you and I know each other, you know, from social media and things like that. And I knew that um, I had a story to share. And as an architect, you know, as a 20-year-old grandchild, I wasn't really ready to listen to the in-depth information about her medical history and things like that. But um, as a design student, I definitely recognized that her house didn't work for her. A 70-split-level home with stairs down to the laundry room by the garage and stairs up to the any shower and bedroom, it didn't function for her. So then 15 years later, kind of the second half of that light bulb went off for me. I uh, rode a scooter for the summer after a car died, and then in Seattle it starts raining sideways in November, and I thought, well, maybe I should get a roof over my wheels. And <laughs> so <laughs> bought a car off Craigslist, and two 60-year-old children brought me that car. Um, and it was a 94-year-old woman who had, you know, one of their mothers had given up the keys, and I, we got to talking. I said, where, do you, where does she live? And they mentioned an assisted living place near me, and... I said, wow, do you, I'm doing a little homework. Do you mind if I ask what that cost? And they said $150,000 out of pocket and five to eight grand a month. And my jaw <laughs> just just dropped. And, you know, when I speak publicly now, I say, raise your hand if you have a $6,000 mortgage, because if you do, I'm adoptable. <laughs> uh, you know, who can afford that? And so I started thinking about those two things, my grandmother and the cost of the alternative. And I said, wait a minute, we have we have a gap here and a need that can be filled, and I'm passionate about it, and here we are. Wow. Well, that's that's fantastic. Well, we're, we're glad you're here. Now, I know you just uh, spoke at the AS. Um, ASA conference. Um, mm-hmm. And now, did you talk about your book that's rolling out on the um, at that conference? Or no, I was still writing it. The conference was in March in Chicago, and I had the great pleasure of sharing the stage with two well-known thought leaders in that space. Uh, Dr. Patrick Rodin is a PhD and an RN uh, in the Portland area. Um, Portland, Oregon, and he owns AgingInPlace.com. And then Louis Tenenbaum, who is kind of the guru of Aging in Place, he did his first remodel before they even had a name for it in 1988. And he's the author of the Mature um, MetLife Mature Market Institute paper about uh, aging and caregiving and this paradigm shift that's needed. So uh, that was a great experience. Great to share the stage with them. Um, we had a a packed room and one of my favorite testimonials coming out of it. It's so funny you don't know who's in the room till after was um Walter Cronkite's daughter said yours was one of the best presentations in the whole four days. So that was pretty wow. flattering. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very cool. But very no, cool. I hadn't the book wasn't uh you know, I'm just kind of finishing cover design and stuff and we're gonna do a um a launch in January. And it's called Aging in Place, Five Steps to Creating Successful Living Environments for Your Second Half of Life. So, And myself as a, as a licensed architect. And then also, when, again, when, you know, kind of the, after those two light bulbs went off is when I said, I need to look into how to gain some additional 
expertise in this. And so 2009 is when I got um, certified aging in place certification from the National Association of Home Builders. Uh, lots of there are remodelers that have it. There's a couple occupational therapists that have it. Um, but I'm one of only four that I know of in Washington State um, that's both a licensed architect and also a CAPS designer. So that's kind of how I um, decided to position myself and get the increase in education to specifically serve the clientele. Now, when you say CAPS designer, can you tell us what that means? Because we don't all know your lingo. <laughs> right. So CAPS is, is the acronym for Certified Aging in Place. Specialist. Okay. And again, that is a, a certification program, a coursework program through uh, the National Association of Home Builders. So it's kind of like the, you know, SRES for real estate agents. Um, there are a couple other, you know, certifications, but as a designer, that's kind of the one right now that has the foothold as, you know, a baseline credentialing for that. Okay, wonderful. Um, can you uh, talk to the points? Um, you know, I know in our conversations you, you really feel that, you know, it, it really matters right now that, that people, you know, get prepared and start paying attention um, mm -hmm. to being able to age in place. Why, why are you so passionate on that? And, and what can people do? Sure. Well, you, you noticed... Probably many of your professionals, I know the attorney you just had on, I heard him talk about planning. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and just as a general rule, I mean, Benjamin Franklin's been talking about it for <laughs> quite a while, right? An ounce of prevention's worth a pound of cure. Uh, and it's just, it makes more financial sense to think about this ahead of an acute occurrence like a fall or an illness. Mm -hmm. uh, it makes more emotional sense. Uh, too many times we, and again, you heard the attorney say it, we have this, oh, well, that's a statistic, that'll never happen to me. You know, I've written blogs on that topic at empoweringthematuremind.com. One of them is called The Challenge of Selling to an Ostrich. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we as a society are kind of, uh, we're in denial about aging, most of us. And unfortunately, it'll happen whether you're paying attention or not. And so with regard to your home, you know, home base has a lot to do with your your mental and emotional you know, stability and happiness. And uh, as we get older, routine matters, um, our things matter, familiarity matters. And having that all be comfortable, 89% of those pulled by AARP say they would, as a first choice, like to age in place. That means stay in their own home for the remainder of their life, regardless of any change to their physical, cognitive, emotional abilities. And so that's what we're doing as designers, as an architect, um, is helping you make the house work for you. But to do it in advance, again, you know, it's kind of like in design as an architect. I say it costs a dollar to move a line in a drawing on a piece of paper. It would cost a thousand dollars to move a wall if we built it and then didn't like where it was. 
doing things, you know, backwards and after the fact and in a backpedaling panic emotional mode doesn't create our best decision-making scenario. Uh, And typically the end result of that is poor decisions either financially, um, you know, emotionally, or, or both. So planning always seems to work out better, but it seems to be a bit of an uphill educational battle to suggest that that, that we do that, that we think differently. Definitely. Um, now, you know, one of the terms that is used in aging in place a lot is universal design. Can you tell us what exactly does that mean? Because, uh, you know, there's there's so many different terms <laughs> that are used out there. It can get very confusing for the public. And yep. And why is universal design important to us? Sure, yeah. So aging in place design and universal design for now are kind of in regard to boomers and their parents and uh, the things we're going through in the new third of life that we've created. We've added 30 years to our longevity since the Industrial Revolution. Uh, so it's, it's all new territory. Aging in place and universal design right now in that segment are kind of being used interchangeably, but really what we're trying to say is there are differences that I don't, I don't really want to maybe get into quite that much nuance because it's you know, radio and it would always be a client-specific solution anyway. So, um, but we're shooting for inclusive design, uh, better accessibility, and that doesn't just mean wheelchairs and grab bars. Uh, it means lighting, it means color schemes, it means material transitions in your home, uh, having color contrast between, these are all things that as your eyes and your ears and your mind uh, get into the last half of our life are starting to change. Your eyes uh, get yellow, the light coming in gets yellow. There's so many factors and so I think that's why I'm passionate about it is that designers, you know, and a licensed architect is in my state, you know, eight years of apprenticeship and schooling and 36 hours of exams, uh, I'd like to think I can bring something to the table for that design team, and it's not just a contractor and a grab bar and a shower. Mm-hmm. So, But universal design is basically about inclusivity, uh, and equitable use for all parties. And, you know, it wouldn't matter. I, You know, my first home was a spec home. Do you know the the faucets where you have to pull and twist the knob out in the, in the powder bathroom to get that to mm-hmm. work? Mm-hmm. My, five-year-old can't, my five-year-old can't pull that thing out and get any uh-huh. control over hot or cold. And, and probably neither could my grandmother have. So... And it wouldn't matter if you were a little person or if you were somebody that was recovering from a car accident. Or I've torn my Achilles tendon playing basketball. I'll tell you what, the stairs were not fun, right? Mm-hmm. We all have moments of disability or lesser ability in our life, and houses can work better for all things that are differing abilities. The standard spec home, speculative housing that the builder and developer build. And the world around you is really designed for 
right-handed, perfect height, perfect weight, uh, full mobility, uh, perfect vision, perfect hearing, and the ability to communicate with somebody verbally. Is that you? Is that your parents? And when will it be us in 10 or 15 years, us, you know, the baby boomers? That's the point, is that spec houses are not specifically designed for anybody. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a that's a good point because we don't think about that stuff. We we think of it's it's pretty, it's flashy, it's you know um, this is what everyone else has, so I want it, mm-hmm. but it doesn't meet our needs. Um, yeah. When I was working with uh, you know I was in real estate residential real estate for twenty five years and uh, you know dealing with the builders and they all wanted to do well every house has to have a whirlpool tub well no it doesn't you know who really is getting in there have you ever tried to clean one have you ever tried yeah. to give a you know if that's your only tub is that is uh have you ever tried to give a kid a bath in a whirlpool tub if you're not in there with them <laughs> i mean right. you know oh, yeah. it's it's just all of those little things um Absolutely. that that matter um the way yeah. doors swing and how how we open doors you know what type of handle if it's a lever or a knob and how it locks and um you know so many things high you know and you're you're perfectly right when you're talking about you know we design things for this you know kind of normal or um perfect person out there and adjusting the height of a of a counter can make a huge difference um, to people or the height of the toilet um, or the lighting um, big big things that make significant significant difference as um are you seeing much with um lighting that comes on automatically as somebody like walks down the hall you know kind of like night lights um that are that are sensor um you know triggered by sensors at all or yeah so you know i know there was just a national m health conference which is about mobile health and there's a ton of new r&d product again with with 30 years of new longevity in our life since 1850 uh, we're all studying this as businesses and entrepreneurs whether it's ge and phillips or you know, the guy in the hall next to you with a new mobile app. Uh, Technology is leading the way, definitely. Um, I know that at OHSU, which is the Oregon Health Sciences University in Oregon, where I live, um, they're they're studying putting fiber sensors into your carpet that can page somebody's smartphone if your gate changes. Wow. yeah, so that if if mom bounces off the wall at 3 a.m. on the way to the bathroom, uh, I get you know sort of paged, right? My my smartphone does. Wow, it's it's almost spooky in some ways. Um, the things that that are happening or that can happen, um, in terms of you know. Uh, how we can monitor things and and how yeah. we can protect our health. I had uh, I, I want to say it was Samsung was really interested in giving away some video cameras um, and they wanted to do some testing and they had approached me and we were trying to find somebody and had to be in a certain location and things. Um, but people were were really hesitant of privacy and yeah. pushback 
from that. Are you are you seeing that as well? Absolutely. And I think, you know, there's some companies I know um have been contacted by um My Lively. Um mm-hmm. they are they're taking the middle kind of sweet spot approach where mm-hmm. uh all they've done is kind of put like put a key fob on on dad's pillbox and the fridge and the front door. Uh, and the car door, and all it does, then I'm not being watched like Big Brother, um, but, uh, you know, as an adult child, you can approach your folks and say, hey, this isn't, you know, I don't care what you're doing every day. I just, I'd like to be able to know that, you know, you're going about your routine, and mm-hmm. that's all it's doing is saying, yes, the fridge opened between 11 and 9, so we probably had breakfast, you know, but it's not, cameras and GPS tracking on my shoes and <laughs> the things that we think are quite invasive and are getting pushed back. Everyone's trying to figure out how much can we help without, you know, upsetting somebody. It's definitely being studied, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me, it, hmm? oh, yeah, go ahead. For me, you know, again, any one product, if that's all you need, you don't need an architect, right? But it's how mm-hmm. all this stuff goes together, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kitchens that, you know, maybe the the sink raises and lowers. Or, you know, I've put step stools into the toe kick space for a gal who's 5'3 and had a minor stroke and has grip issues so that she isn't dropping dishes or, you know, dishwashers that are now drawers or microwaves that are now, um, you know, have door swings that are different so that we could access them if we were ever using uh, a walker or a wheelchair. Yeah, there's so many fascinating things product-wise. But to me, it's really about, you know, why do I bother to have this conversation with you and be so passionate and speaking in public at a national level? It's because it's how it all goes together and how it specifically works for you. I mean, one of my favorite clients, um, she was the caretaker for her husband in their custom home they built. Um, fascinating, beautiful house and their dream home. And she already had grab bars and things like that in her home, um, but it was for his needs. And now she's been diagnosed with early Parkinson's. And oh, if I could just borrow her brain and put it in everybody's head in the U.S., I would do it because. Uh, she's actually planning, and she recognizes that her needs are going to be different than his were, and that every design solution is going to be client-specific. It's a, it's a beautiful thing when uh, somebody's okay with having that conversation. I know um, when I present, I've got a slide where uh, it's a Teresa Williams photo. It's got two babies in lounge chairs and diapers and slouched over and the caption is, funny thing about this, Bill, is in 70 years we're still going to be in this place, bald, no teeth, and wearing diapers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the goal is to get us to just relax a little. you know. And I tell people, I'm like, hey, if you can't laugh at yourself, laugh at me. I can take it. But let's relax a little bit. Um, we need to have the conversation because uh, some people say that aging is the best kept secret in the world. Nobody wants to talk about it, but the real fortunate ones are going to experience it. Yeah, it's well, it's not going away. No one's figured out no. how to stop aging, so hello. 
know, yeah. it's something we we better better get a grip on. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, it's so critical. The um, you know, I think it's interesting when you had said you know about you know grab bars and things like that. That you know, so many of us think of just these standard. Um, changes, but there's so many things. Like when you said a movable sink, I mean, most of us kind of go movable sink. I mean, we're thinking of, well, there's, you know, like a portable, you know, faucet, you know, where we can pull it out, you know, the sprayer. Um, But you're talking up and down. And, um, you know, I've seen things in other countries where the cabinets actually come down off the wall and lower and uh, it's incredible what's out there when you talk to somebody in the know and i mean i i know enough to be dangerous you know (laughs) you know i i I hear a lot of things or or the protections that we can put on our stoves um from covers or sensors on toilets to know if people are are toileting or going to the um going to the refrigerator to eat or if they're taking their pills um it's it's unbelievable um what is happening with technology as well as physical changes um in the home and when you combine those two can really be some pretty powerful powerful stuff I would imagine, Erin, you see people, too, that might have a a two-story house or even a multi-level house, and they're really living in, you know, on one level um, and need some changes to be made. Because not all the time do they want to move, but they want to be able to to stay put. What are some of the, the common things that you see people are doing to make um you know, make changes in their home so that they really can be successful and more independent. Sure. Yeah, um, really I think it kind of comes down to finances many times, um, just what are we capable of doing. And any little bit helps. Um, anything as simple as making sure the carpet's tight on your stairs and that you're not, um, laying your furniture out in a way that doesn't give you enough space and don't leave the magazines on the steps and we need to get rid of our throw rugs even though um, you know they're a trip hazard even if they might be a little bit warmer underfoot there's other new product like that there's such simple basically zero almost zero cost solutions have your grandson change out your doorknobs and make them lever handles, right? And then mm-hmm. we can go, you know, we can go up from there. Uh, master on the main floor as a as a housing term really wasn't around till 2003. So we have 100 years worth of houses that uh, aren't really designed for where we're going. This silver tsunami of 10,000 people turning 65. Started in January 2011, and we've got another 18 years of that. And so, having a house function for somebody 65 or older is be going to be more important in the next 20 or 30 years than it's ever been. And on the other end, compared to that, you recall me saying, you know, five to eight grand a month for mm-hmm. nursing homes or assisted living type facility, a facility solution. Uh, I've done the math. You could, for those that have equity in their house and a decent credit score, you could borrow $150,000, put 
elevators in your house, make a universally designed kitchen and master bath and take bedroom three and four, which now are empty nested by the children, and make our halls wider and our doors wider and make your whole house work better. That loan at 5% is only $750 a month. Add 20 hours of even, you know, in-home care at 19 or $21 an hour, you would save $35,000 a year compared to nursing home assisted living national average. Wow. On a monthly basis. So I've been even, you know, I've, in Seattle I speak to financial planners and all their clients because they've never looked at it like that. And I can joke. I'm like, hey, you know, have you taught your uh, your clients how to save half a million dollars during retirement? Because if not, I mm-hmm. should probably talk to them. And it's yeah. the math. But it my, point, though, my point, though, is mm-hmm. that there are, you know, Home Depot sales all the way to residential elevators. And it's always going to be client-specific. Um, and, I again, you made a comment about my tagline, architecture without the ego. Mm-hmm. I believe that I'm one piece of an educated puzzle, but the bigger the team, the better the result. Um, the financial planner, the general contractor, um, the family, the occupational therapist or geriatric care manager, the more professionals that we can bring to the table, the more successful this solution is. Yep. Yeah, I I totally totally agree. And I think the options are just are just endless. You know, when it comes to when it comes to care um in the home, plus you you know, you can also um you know, people can have in-home care, you know, where people will visit and monitor them and and um you know, with a home health care agency as well. So, you know, it's it's merging these things together. Um right. we're seeing more homes being built um with with room for maybe a caregiver to to stay, you know, an area uh yeah. for them to live, you know, for someone who actually lives in the house or I would imagine you're probably seeing homes too where families are maybe taking in a parent or a parent is taking in a child. Um right. I know when I was in real estate, we were seeing much more of that um, merging of families, and so then that means we need we need um, some different changes there as well. You know, mm-hmm. within mm-hmm. within the house. Um, what um, what do you see around the holidays with families visiting? You know, what should they be looking for um, to kind of assess this situation? Yeah, I think it's just uh, when you're visiting the family over the holidays, um, and I'll be honest, you know, part of the reason for January book launch has to do with exactly that. Um, I ask that people, much like I do with my own folks, um, take the time to, you know, stay up after the kids go to bed and uh, have conversations with their parents. And some of us are flying and we only see them once or twice a year and uh, just to notice change, notice changes maybe in the house. Um, you know, are things getting more cluttered, or is um, is mom having trouble with the utensils in the kitchen, or um, do you see her reaching for the wall as she lifts her foot on the first step somewhere? 
just an awareness. Uh, I actually just, while I was at my parents for Thanksgiving, finally, uh, after two and a half years of suggesting the possibility, um, installed a grab bar on the wall next to the three or four steps into my folks' house from the garage. And I I did that on the first day that I was there, and we were there for a few more days with my kids. And I did it for Mom, and she had already tripped and fallen and you know, into the laundry room through the big heavy door that is required between the garage and the living space. And luckily hasn't been seriously hurt, but once I put it in, my dad even used it every single time he went up those mm-hmm. steps. And they both said, why didn't we do this sooner? And I'm not going to say I told you so, you know, but there are things that we can do to plan. You know, I, I've done new construction home designs for people, and we framed for a hole for an elevator to go to all three floors. We're not putting it in right now, but the house is ready for it. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, builders can just widen the hallway and, and they can frame a three-foot, zero-inch door and then put in a two-foot, six door on inside of that. And we can switch it back out later. There's ways to plan for this stuff, even if you're not going to do it now. I mean, I know when my mom had drawings done from some Portland cabinet maker to remodel their bathroom, I asked her for five minutes and a red pen. And all I did was put blocking. There's you know places where you can put wood between the vertical studs behind the walls. I just put blocking in behind the toilet and in the shower. I didn't have to talk to mom about grab bars right now. That was, mm-hmm. you know, four or five years ago. But now that she let me put one in the garage, I'm pretty happy that I had the chance to catch it, right? Because now they can put in grab bars in the shower. They don't have to tear out their shower and yeah. tile and all the tile and all of that. Uh, you know, we're saving by planning ahead. We're saving money. Otherwise, you're yeah. going to spend it. Otherwise, you're going to spend a dime now. Then you're going to go back and respend the nickel to get back to the spot where you can go forward again. It's a waste of money. Planning is how to avoid that. So, mm-hmm. but you know, again, it's just pay attention. Pay attention to your parents. Um, have conversations with them. I know I actually just interviewed the uh, the author Tim Proch, who wrote a book called The Other Talk. And it's mm-hmm. the chance for adult children to have a planning discussion with the kids and, um, you know, and be in control. This is all about empowerment and giving control to you, the client, the boomer, the boomer's parents, uh, while you still have control. Because if you wait too long, you end up on the other side of that. And it's an emotional and financial backpedal. And it's it's a scary way to make decisions. It's a very scary way to make decisions. It's it's a very very scary way to make decisions. I I so so agree with you there. Um, can you uh, tell our folks a little bit about your new book, Aging in Place: The Five Steps to Designing a Successful Living Environment for Your Second Half of Your Life? Um, sure. Is that uh, is that published yet? Is that something that people can get, or are you still in the process? I know. I no, it takes forever to pull a book together. Um, oh my always gosh. longer than we think. 
I know. I know. I thought I was done writing it in April, and here we are, right? <laughs> it's a whole nother, it's a whole other industry that I knew nothing about, but boy. Um, now, I've got a good team behind me on that, design and publishing-wise, and um, so it'll be out in January. Right now, if you wanted to pre-order, um, it'll be, you know, you're going to be able to use Kindle or an e-reader or, or Nook or anything like that once it's out. Uh, right now, if you want to pre-order it, you could just go to empoweringthematuremind.com, uh, and you can see on our products and services page there a uh, copy of the cover and just email me just send me an an email to info at empoweringthematuremind.com and what I'm going to do right now for the e-reader is uh, when the promo code comes out on Amazon I'll get you 50% off on the e-reader okay so okay. but yeah it'll be it'll be at Amazon and Barnes and Noble and all the normal places and have an ISBN number and all that good stuff that I'm learning about <laughs> oh yeah I just I just met with a publisher the other day I've got kind of a children's book that's pretty much ready oh. to go you know oh. but it'll probably still be nine months you know six to nine months <laughs> you know once I once I make a decision on on where to go and yeah. and you know we've we've done you know probably 25 reviews of it and you think oh, how yeah. complicated can it be but um, just like your industry or my industry, there are specialties, and you need those experts to help guide you through. Um, and and I think your book will be will be fabulous um, in terms of helping people, um, both you know us everyday people as well as professionals realize what can be done, and the sky is really the limit, um, and, and the money um, is the limit too. <laughs> Yeah, it can um, be. The old old cash flow, um, you know, with that whole process. But, uh, you know, this is such a hot topic. We all know there's not enough money. There's there's not enough people even to serve us, you know, and to deliver care. So we have to start looking at things differently. I mean, it's not an option. Um, You know, it, it really needs to be looked at in in a different light. Very um, true. So, uh, you know, if if people are interested in having you come and speak on this topic, they can just go to your website then, Aaron. Is that the best way to get a hold of you? Or Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there's a few ways. Um, with regard to my architecture background and specifically aging in place design, um, my architecture firm is ADM Architecture, and the website is www.adm-architecture.com. Mm-hmm. And then for, you know, we have podcasts, and uh, we've done webinars, and uh, many of the free resources, just like you provide to those of us that are really passionate about this and trying to share a message at a national level are um, you know, sharing a lot of uh, free resources and all that information and uh, insight can be found at empoweringthematuremind.com. And okay. Yeah, you you can pick up the phone. I hopefully by now you figured out I'm fairly approachable. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you my I'll give you my direct line. It's it's three six zero four four zero eight four seven five. I know that I am planning probably in June. Uh, to go speak in the 
Minneapolis area um, for kind of a tri-state symposium on aging in place. And, yeah, we're we're working pretty hard to get the message out. It's probably clear to you by now how passionate I am about it. And, mm-hmm. um, yes, if, you know, if you want me to come speak at a convention or um, get a copy of my book, whatever the case is, get a hold of me because I'm happy to share this information. And we're on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn, all that stuff as well. So I wouldn't be hard to find if you just looked up Aaron uh, D. as in David Murphy. So I'd okay. love well, to talk to anybody that uh, wants to know more about what you are doing and how I can help. Well, great. Well, um, if you're coming to Minneapolis, maybe we can grab a cup of coffee or something because that's, that's where to. I'm located. So yeah. you'll have to shoot me an email on that and, and see what we can do. Well, I really appreciate your time with us today. Oh, thank um, you. And I think it's a very, very important topic of um, you know how people can stay in place. Now, if they are um, looking for an architect, is that something that you're networked with where if they reach out to you, you could help yeah. them find somebody um, yep. in their location um, mm-hmm. that yeah. would, would specialize in this? Um, that would be that would be wonderful. And then um, let me ask this question too. A lot of times, you know, when you're dealing with with an architect and they're typically drawing the plans, do you mm-hmm. also have recommendations for actual, you know, builders or remodelers then as yeah. well that you can recommend yeah. to people to take your plan and implement right. it? Right, absolutely. Okay. So, yeah, an architect typically is going to solve the, the programming and the design solutions and the products and materials and layout that work to keep you empowered and independent, in this case, in, at home. Um, and then there are general contractors that have the certified aging in place specialist that I have, that certification to mm-hmm. home builders. Um, and they are. They're all across the nation, and I'm pretty well connected after four years of public speaking and um so yeah i can absolutely help somebody and many times all i do is uh play consultant and aging in place quarterback so to speak and yes i get phone calls from pennsylvania to florida and i can help yeah okay wonderful well that is that is great to know. Well, we really appreciate you being with us today and um, and sharing your knowledge. Um, it's it's so so helpful um, for all of us here um, just to be able to learn more of you know what are some of the options and you know whenever you're talking with somebody you have to tell them honestly what are your needs um, and right. not be in, not be embarrassed. Um, limitations um, aren't anything to be embarrassed by because it's it's about getting creative and doing those workarounds, <laughs> you know, yeah, to best yeah. meet your needs. And um, and somebody can't help you if you're not honest with them in terms of what no. the needs are. So no, and um, that's true. I mean, yeah, de- design solutions are typically about truths that are three levels deep. Uh, you know, it's mm-hmm. fear and it's wants and it's needs and. We devote a couple chapters in the book to just that, just having the conversation and being an active listener. Yep, yep. Well, wonderful. Well, thank you again, Aaron, for for being you, with Laura. us. It was uh, great to have you on the show today, and I'm I'm looking forward to meeting you when you come to Minneapolis. Hopefully, I'll be in town when you get here. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you again. Sorry about the technical difficulties. I've never run into that before, but I apologize. 
Nope, nope, it happens at times, so not not a problem at all. Well, you have a wonderful um, holiday season, and I'm sure we'll talk soon. Bye now. Absolutely. Thanks. So in wrapping up the show today, again, I just want to wish everybody a wonderful holiday season. I can't believe uh, Christmas is coming up here next week already. It's just uh, in New Year's. Um, So much going on. And, uh, you know, I just hope you all have a blessed holiday season. Uh, Keep in mind that we will be having our next radio show on the 24th with uh, Tipa Snow. If you haven't heard her, you are going to want to turn in. She is phenomenal, and uh, that is not an understatement. Um, She is just doing some great, great things. She has wonderful tips and just everyday practical, practical things that you can apply immediately. And also author Christine Luca, on, uh, uh, who wrote the book, What Else Can You Do But Laugh, will be with us about her story with dementia. Um, check again, Alzheimer's Disease International, if you're looking for um, an association around you. And don't forget the Alzheimer's Studies Group. If you're looking for a trial, they've got that tau, uh, tau trial going on. Have a wonderful holiday, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye now. Hi, this is Suzanne Newman, host of the Answers for Elders podcast and radio show. We are the North Star that guides you through the complicated journey of senior care with trusted experts in money, law, living solutions, and more. So join us on this station, your favorite podcast channel, or just go to AnswersForElders.com. Meet the way showers who will help your journey a lot easier.